0: Welcome to CCK Live! My name is Kayla D'Onofrio and I'm joined today by my colleagues Bethany Cook and Matthew Pusco. Today, we're going to be explaining how to win VA claims for anxiety. Anxiety is defined as intense, excessive, and persistent worry and fear about everyday situations. The most common symptoms of anxiety disorders include things like feeling restless, jumpy, or on edge, excessive worrying, difficulty concentrating, rapid heartbeat, trembling, or twitching, muscle tension, shortness of breath or difficulty breathing, feeling dizzy, nauseous or lightheaded, and difficulty sleeping. There are several types of anxiety disorder diagnoses, including things like generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorders, or various phobia-related disorders like agoraphobia, for example. Um, And if you have one of these diagnoses and you think it might be related to service, you can file a claim for service connection. So Bethany, what are some different ways that a veteran can get service connection for an anxiety disorder? Uh, So you can get service connection for
1: an anxiety disorder on either a direct or secondary basis. Uh, So to establish service connection on a direct basis, that is to establish the anxiety disorder is directly related to your military service, uh, you need three things. So the first thing that you would need is a current diagnosis of an anxiety disorder um, that needs to come um, from a medical professional. It needs to be a medically confirmed diagnosis. Uh, And then you also need an in-service occurrence that caused or aggravated the diagnosed anxiety disorder. And then the very last thing you would need is a medical nexus of linking those two things together. Ideally, that would be a medical opinion from a qualified professional like a psychologist or a psychiatrist, opining that your current diagnosis is at least as likely as not related to the in-service occurrence. An example of an in-service occurrence uh, might include uh, if you specifically treated for anxiety during service uh, or even if you just check off that you're experiencing anxiety-like symptoms uh, at the time of the discharge examination. It is important to know um, that it's helpful uh, to have evidence that the symptoms started during your military service, uh, but you don't actually need the diagnosis to have happened during your military service. That can come after. Of that service connection on a direct basis, um, to establish service connection on a secondary basis is a little bit different. Uh, So you can get service connection on a secondary basis uh, if the anxiety was caused or aggravated by an already service-connected condition. So in this case, you would still need three things. You would still need a diagnosis uh, of the anxiety disorder. You'd also need to be service-connected for the condition that caused or aggravated the anxiety disorder. Uh, And then you would still need a medical nexus opinion linking those two things together. So, for example, a veteran may have a service-connected knee condition that causes significant pain and impedes ability to carry out everyday activities and tasks Uh, that can obviously result in an anxiety disorder. Um, So, as a result, um, that condition, the anxiety disorder, can get service-connected on a secondary basis to the knee condition. Um, There would just need to be a medical nexus establishing that link.
0: Thanks, Bethany. And keep in mind, VA does require specific forms when filing Claims-for-Service Connection. Um, If it's your first time filing a claim for your anxiety disorder, you'll need to use the VA Form 21-526EZ. If you have filed for it before and been denied, and it's been more than a year since your last decision, you'll need to file a supplemental claim with new and relevant evidence, and we have a lot of other blog posts and videos that kind of go into more detail about that, but just something to keep in mind if you are interested in filing a claim. Once you file a claim for VA to take action on it, one thing that they're probably going to do is schedule you for a compensation and pension examination. So, Matt, can you talk about what a C&P exam is and what a veteran can expect to happen during one for anxiety?
2: Sure. So, C&P exams are generally used to establish service connection, and if service connection has already been established, they might be used to determine the severity of the condition in order to assign a rating. Veterans will typically meet with a VA contracted examiner to discuss their medical history, time in service, and their anxiety, including the symptoms they're experiencing and the severity of those symptoms as well. When you are participating in a CMP exam, it's important to be honest and upfront about how your anxiety impacts your life, relationships, job, everyday activities, that sort of thing. Uh, And also it's important to be aware that you can bring somebody with you to the exam if you feel as though they can offer maybe additional information about your symptoms or what you've experienced, Um, or just if you don't feel comfortable attending that examination alone, you are allowed to bring another individual with you. It's really important uh, veterans must always attend their CMP exams or notify VA immediately if they are unable to attend those exams. Failure to attend a scheduled CMP exam will likely result in VA denying benefits. So, we cannot underscore enough how important it is to attend every one of the CMP exams you're scheduled for, or at the very least, let VA know if you're not going to be able to make it. After attending a CMP exam, veterans should always request a copy of the results of the examination itself and review it themselves to make sure everything looks accurate with what was discussed, with what you said to the examiner. Um, so, that's always a good thing to do at the conclusion of a CMP exam that you have attended.
0: That's a lot of really important information. Thanks, Matt. Um, and VA does really look very heavily at the CMP exams when they're making decisions on claims, which is why we're constantly emphasizing how important it is to attend and to be honest. But there is a lot of other evidence that you can submit as well, um, especially if the exam is not favorable and you want to get something favorable into the record. So some examples of things that you might be able to submit in support of your claim include lay evidence or statements from the veteran's friends or their family um, or from the veteran themselves to describe the, the symptoms of the anxiety and how it affects their everyday life. A lot of times veterans don't seek treatment for their anxiety symptoms right away just because there's a lot of stigmatization surrounding mental health diagnoses in general. So sometimes having those lay statements can help to fill in some of those gaps in the medical records to just show when the symptoms began and how they've progressed since they started. Other things that you can add to the record as evidence include private treatment records if you do actually treat for your anxiety condition. You can also get medical opinions from non-VA doctors or psychologists or psychiatrists to um, to help provide that nexus link that Bethany was talking about earlier, um, linking your condition to service or to another service-connected disability, or just describing, again, the severity of the symptoms. Employment records can also be helpful, particularly when it comes to rating um, your anxiety disorders, and I think that that transitions nicely into our next topic, which is how VA rates anxiety disorder. So, Bethany, can you talk a little bit more about how that rating scale works? Sure.
1: Uh, So, VA rates anxiety using the regulation 38 CFR 4.130, and that rating criteria contains ratings of 0, 10, 30, 50, 70, or 100%. So these ratings are based on the level of social and occupational impairment um, that the psychiatric disability causes. Uh, So for example, a 0% rating would indicate that the anxiety disorder uh, causes virtually no impairment, whereas a 100% rating uh, states that the anxiety disorder causes total occupational and social impairment. And those other ratings fill in the gaps between those two. Uh, So... Anxiety disorders are categorized by its specific diagnostic code um, and based on a general formula. Um, so, this rating criteria is for all psychiatric disabilities. Uh, the diagnostic code 9400 is for a generalized anxiety disorder, whereas, there are additional diagnostic codes for other uh, diagnoses, including PTSD, panic disorder, uh, depression, psychotic disorders, etc. That's important uh, to know uh, just because uh, typically uh, if you do have more than one psychiatric disability diagnosed, uh, you're only going to uh, get one rating either way. Uh, this is because of pyramiding. Um, so pyramiding is the VA term uh, for reading the same disability or same manifestation twice. Uh, VA doesn't do that. So, for example, a veteran who has a diagnosis of anxiety might also have a diagnosis of PTSD. And if VA has conceded that both of those conditions are attributed to the veteran service, um, the veteran is only going to get one rating for both of them, Uh, and that's going to be under the same rating criteria. Uh, What VA will just do is they'll just look at all of the symptoms of both diagnoses uh, and pick the reading uh, that best approximates the severity of both of them combined. Overall, VA doesn't consider the number of mental disorders, Uh, so a veteran could have a diagnosis of five different psychiatric disabilities and still only get a 10% rating uh, if that's what VA determines the severity of those disabilities uh, correlates to. Uh, What VA is going to look at is once they see the diagnosis, um, they're going to look at that rating criteria and assess the severity and impact of each disorder in order to assign a single comprehensive rating uh, for both disabilities. So we have other um, CCK lives on that rating formula um, because this rating formula does uh, correlate to every single um, psychiatric, psychiatric diagnosis that you can get service-connected for. Anxiety disorder is just one of many.
0: Great. Thanks, Bethany. And what happens if you get a decision, Matt, and let's say it denies service connection or it awards a rating that you think is lower than you know, the severity that you believe your condition deserves? What are your options from there?
2: Veterans have the right to appeal unfavorable decisions from VA, as we discuss in in a number of other videos and blog posts. Um, In other words, if your anxiety claim specifically is denied or you receive a disability rating that is lower than what you think you deserve, you can disagree with VA's decision and continue to seek service connection or an increased rating for that disability. Under the new VA appeals system, veterans can choose from three different review options or lanes when filing an appeal. Those three lanes are the higher level review lane, the supplemental claim lane, and the notice of disagreement lane, also known as an appeal to the Board of Veterans' Appeals. And continuing to pursue a claim through the appeals process allows veterans to preserve their effective date and might even mean more retroactive benefits in the future. Uh, So again, we have a lot of other videos and blog posts on those three lanes, but just to touch on them briefly, those are your main options if you disagree with the decision from the VA.
0: Thanks, Matt. And as always, if you're not sure which lane is the most appropriate, it's always a good idea to reach out for help um, through a veteran service organization or an accredited representative or attorney. Um, They can always guide you in the right direction and sort of let you know what appeal option might be best for where you are currently. Um, But I think that's a good place for us to wrap up today. Thank you both, Bethany and Matt, for all of the helpful information. As always, you can check out our other YouTube videos or visit our blogs for more information. And thank you for joining us today.